0: All right, welcome back. Episode 21 of the Young Old Heads podcast. The Young Old Heads podcast can now legally drink alcohol. Big, big news. Uh, I'm one of your hosts, Tommy, a.k.a. TV Sports Cards. I'm here with my good friend and co-host, Max, a.k.a. Cards Max, a.k.a. Cards Max Worldwide, a.k.a. Cards Max Worldwide Chrome
1: Refractor Prism. Max, how are you doing? I am doing well. It is a Monday evening, 6.53 p.m. Eastern Time. What dawned upon me today is that, as you said, this is episode 21. That means we've been doing this for half a year. That was mind-blowing to me.
0: Nah, you don't know how many weeks a year is, I
1: don't think. Yeah, there's 52 weeks in a year, not 42. (laughs) There you go. But it essentially feels like six months. Yeah. And that that growth is the maple tree that spawns the forest.
0: I've never heard that one before, but you drop new phrases on me every week. This is, yeah, but for real, it's been a long time that we've been doing this now, and it's like fun. We I feel like we've met a lot of cool people through the podcast, people who have started listening that maybe I kind of knew before, but have had a lot more deep conversations about cards and collecting with now that we've started it. And I can't wait for the next year, dude. We're going to have so many fun and people on. We're going to do a lot of cool stuff. I mean, I feel like we talk, we're always talking about something new that we're doing every week. And I feel, I, I hope. People who are listening every week feel like this is worthy of their time, and I can't wait to put together some even better content for the next 21 weeks.
1: I can't say, Tommy, you are worthy of my time, and that's why we do this every week.
0: Oh, well, we're just because getting started. I love man. cards. Yeah, we love cards, and we're not even close to getting – to the full extent of our love of cards in on recorded audio. So we are going to keep doing that until all of our knowledge and all of our thoughts are out there, which who knows how long that's going to take, possibly years. But Max, we've had a week since Mitch. Shout out Mitch. Mitch is a great guy. Great episode with a lot of energy. And we're going to try to keep that going here this week. But Max, just give me a rundown of your last week. What card, sort of card activities were you up to? What you get you dip your toes into?
1: what happened last week i know yesterday i went to the behind the diamond babylon long island show i was set up and i was tabling this was my third official tabling that i've done yeah i believe that that's correct this is my third and good traffic i know john's a great good promoter for the area this is more of a show that's only been around this is the second time this show has been at this location and I moved two big Desmond Baines, my Desmond Bain Select gold side out of 10, and my last of two Desmond Baines Peacocks. I now only own one Desmond Bain card left, which breaks my heart, but rise and grind.
0: Well, this is the Desmond Bain card podcast, so we yeah, will have we'll to s- keep buying more or else this podcast will have to shut down.
1: That's true. I can't let the podcast shut down. I had dollar boxes for the first time that mostly composed of 2000 to 2017 rookies. I had like cool stuff. I had like Carlos Gonzalez rookies. I had Adrian Gonzalez rookies. I had Carlos Gomez rookies, Troy Tulowitzki rookies in there, a bunch of cards that were mostly two to $3 ish, maybe some four to $5 ones all at $1. I did it out of a little bit out of laziness because I had the box lying around and I wanted to see how it would work. Contrary to my thinking, having a $1 box that looks like it was poorly organized does not get more traffic. For me, if I see a dollar box that looks like junk, that means it probably isn't picked through and that I can actually score more. Like If I see a value box that is organized by player or by team, I know that that person is absolutely taxing or is right at comps and that that value isn't still there. But this was a heap of garbage that I knew had 2 to $5 cards that I was going to price it one outright. And I thought looking sloppier would be better, but it did not. That was interesting. And also, keeping the dollar box at the front of the table garnered way more looks than keeping it more so in back. Because as, as I was tabling, I'm like, okay, I have to make sure I have as much visibility for all of my cards as possible. And it is a game. It's a fun game. I love cards. Aaron Judge is hot as ever. Wait,
0: no, no I need. To, we're going to stick on dollar bins because I no. also okay,
1: okay. Aaron Judge hot as ever in cards, but yes. yeah. We
0: will get to Aaron Judge and we will get to the hot Albert Pools Aaron Judge liquidity conversation that I want to have with you. But dollar bins. I was at the Ludex card show last this weekend in Chicago. Obviously, our boy Saul was set up. I had a great time as usual. It was our third time doing the show, so kind of have it down to a t now. It's the dealers I know pretty well, um, but. The dollar bins. I put together my own dollar bin because the Luddites employees kind of have a table that we can put stuff out at. And I was like, whatever, I have a ton of extra cards. And I kind of did the same strategy as you. I sorted it by sport. I did a row of baseball, a row of basketball, and then I had a half row of football with the miscellaneous other stuff, which if you listen to this podcast, you know, I buy a bunch of random shit. So it was a pretty fun box, but you know, I only sold like 20 bucks worth of stuff in it. And I tried to move the box around the room, probably just because I wasn't set up and it was just kind of like a random floating box that people didn't really want to flip through it. But I tried this strategy, and there was a guy, my absolute homie Nick Stack and Sell at Stack and Sell on uh, Instagram, and he does a lot of YouTube videos that I randomly make appearances in sometimes. But he had the best dollar bin in the history of baseball cards that I went through, and it was exactly what you were talking about—just totally random two thousands refractors, parallels. The thing is that Nick, great kid, great guy. He's he's a bit—I he, think he might be a little younger than you, but he does not know mid 2000s baseball really at all. And he's just started getting into the game of buying collections. And I think he's bought a few collections of guys who had a lot of stuff from the mid 2000s that he might not know about too well. He might know sort of like some of the bigger cards, but this this dollar bin was full of $5 refractors and $5 to $10 stuff. So I bought a bunch of stuff from him and I told him that next time he puts those together that he needs to let me know to help him because he told me that he's starting to send more stuff to Comcy and I was like, dude, Most of the stuff you should have sent to ComC, you probably could quadruple or even 10x your money that you're getting at these dollar bins. But dollar bin philosophy is definitely a a unique to shows thing. Like if you don't go to a lot of card shows, you probably don't really understand what you look for when you're looking for a dollar bin. But I totally agree with you, Max. If you see sorted by team, sorted by player, you're almost never going to find really good stuff. Sorted by team, I've had some good luck with like random players finding some really cool stuff of like one, $2 cards that you would never see on eBay. But I went digging in the dollar bins. I bought like $50 cards from Nick, a lot of like gold cup refractors of random dudes that weren't very good. Some giants randomness. Uh, My best card, I got like a Jimmy Rollins Pacific for Mitch, you know, some, some cool shit like that. Um, And then, yeah, we'll get to pickups so later. I don't want to go through all the pickups. Okay. But dollar bins, I'm I'm happy to hear that you have a dollar bin, Max. Max, how much money do you think you sold out of the dollar bin at the show?
1: That's a bad question to ask. But um, Why? I had well, I had, I think two. Looks at the dollar bin the entire time, no purchases.
0: Damn, tough. I had and, at least, and some this
1: purchases. is this was no, but this was eye opening to me, just out of the appearance of your dollar bin. Me, I'm psycho. I'll look at cards no matter what. Yeah. And like I was saying, if I think that you put less effort into your dollar bin, it makes me more likely to look at it. Yeah. Not everyone else has that opportunity, has that mindset. And don't go low effort on your dollar bins if you're a dealer, even and, though it sounds paradoxical.
0: Yeah, and don't assume everyone is thinking the same way you are. I think is another thing. I think That's a lot a of people. Huge thing. A lot of people that go to shows are really just like maybe people that's their only interaction with cards is going to a show and like, they just like hunt dollar bins at those shows and they don't really do anything online at all. So having like a well-organized with like good signage, I think was the main thing that I was lacking. I didn't have like a sign that was like really nice as a dollar and then like 50 for 40 bucks or whatever, which I see a lot of people have.
1: I brought sealed wax that I've had forever. Um, I opened 10 of the Pokemon celebrations, ultra premium collections for their 25th anniversary last year. I did it to buy metal Charizard cards and grade them. That's a different sob story, but I have something like 40 Pokemon Celebrations packs, 30 Chilling Rain packs, 30 Vivid Voltage packs, and like 20 Darkness of Blaze packs that are sitting in my closet. Because online, not only is this from a wax ish production era of Pokemon to where it's post-COVID and they're princes of the moon because they're being scalped to death. But So online, they're tough to move. And they're sitting in my closet. I brought them just to have out on the table as well as some top three boxes. And that was one of my biggest sellers. I was able to move packs for the most part at $5 per for stuff that I was sitting in my closet. And that out of booster boxes is like three bucks each. And out of SRP, if you're going to the store to buy it, you're paying $4 plus tax, this I was helped cover my table costs and in part made the justification worth it. So, the biggest thing now that I'm three shows in is to recognize that you are a vendor and you want to sell as much as possible, which is like pre- completely ironic given that the e commerce model of selling really, really low end cards and really, really middle end cards, eBay is, and social media is always going to be king but your goal is to still sell and transact as much as possible.
0: Yeah, that's actually that's an interesting point. Like your evolution as a dealer is can be fun for us to track as as we keep doing these podcasts, but to hear that you did a dollar bin and you brought more sealed wax that you were able to move the sealed wax, not the dollar bins, makes me think
1: only the pokemon packs.
0: Only the pokemon packs? Okay. That's nobody interesting. Nobody
1: touched the top 3, nobody touched the one single optic um, Fanatics exclusive luster I had. And no one wanted my, no one inquired about my top's finest basketball or Bowman University hobby, football.
0: Do you ever, do you put like Pokemon in the dollar bins? Would you make like a Pokemon dollar bin if you had the inventory? What do you think that would have been more attraction than the sports dollar bin?
1: Pokemon is fascinating because online, eBay recently acquired a TCG Player, which is, I don't want to say it's like the COM C for Pokemon and gaming. But it is an online marketplace where you are able to... Find, granted, because gaming cards are not do not have serial numbered scarcity. There's no parallels. It's just the cards of that subset. So on TCG Player, you are able to find denominations of cards for at $0.10 cents per, at $0.53 cents per, at $0.37 cents per. Bulk buying is very common and it's sorted by rarity. So online there is so much competition down to the individual scent of what a card's true value is worth. However, in person that doesn't exist because you're not dealing with ECG player online. You're dealing with just the people that want to buy from you. You don't have to necessarily be, you have to be below comps on charge cards that are $50 to $100 cards. You don't have to be below comps on $3 full art cards that just look cool. And you don't have to worry about the shipping, the logistics of shipping. But also TCG players, no pictures. But that is the most fascinating dynamic of Pokemon in the schism between gaming and sports cards is that Pokemon cards are itemized to the scent.
0: Yeah. And that's as I've started to learn about the TCG world from uh, Luddash. Yeah, because Cash is, shout out Cash is, no way he listens to this podcast, but maybe he'll come on one day and talk to us about the intersection of sports and TCG. But I was, a, am to- totally ignorant on TCG before I started working at Ledex, but now we're starting to do a big push with, like, we have had a big update with, like, decks for Magic and stuff. So I've been having to learn and kind of educate myself, and yeah, you're right. The thing, another, like, point that I think might as well point out here is just, like, the reason why they're down to the scent is because pokemon cards and that sort of stuff like any tcg card is much more liquid online than in a sports card a base at least or whatever
1: um there's the man and the utility surrounding it yeah there's exactly. not there's not utility behind any sports card yep. but you need trading cards to play games
0: except mlb showdown shout out mlb showdown shout out mlb showdown but um shout out yeah. approved. and when we on Letex, when we provide a value when you scan a card a TCG card, Magic or Pokemon or whatever, is an exact price that we get from. I forget exactly the site right now. I know one of them is Troll and Toad, but I forget what the other one is. Troll and
1: Toad's another massive marketplace.
0: Yeah, I forget what the other one is, but we definitely have a pricing from Troll and Toad. And we are okay giving a more specific price for a Pokemon or a Magic card because that's kind of how the market operates. While sports cards, we provide a range because the range is more. a a more of a better depiction of what the sports card market is, which is much more illiquid for lower end stuff, but also bigger range. So yeah, that's my two cents on that.
1: Not, I mean, remarking on alt, I know people have chastised the alt value of a card, which is just a direct algorithm of recent sales and recent grades and applying certain multipliers. Alt, I think, has gotten a lot less flack with after switching from an alt value as a determined number to now a range of what an alt value of a card should be which is likely much more reflective of the true market value
0: yeah i think also it,
1: also cite yeah. alt value at me it's garbage
0: <laughs> <laughs> and i think that's kind of sums up where we're at as like a hobby for like, like a price guide I think there's a lot of old heads who are used to the Beckett price guide hey this is that sells of this of the book or whatever I'm interested to see how our generation of collectors and the quote-unquote investors look at that sort of thing going forward I know that's something that you know it's probably one of the biggest challenges we've had at athletics of just like figuring out you know what's is a range too big sometimes does are we better off providing people with examples of other cards that have sold like other cards in a set as opposed to trying to come up with a price for a card that maybe doesn't have any data on it there's a lot of questions that go into that and i think you're right like anyone who's really deep in the hobby you say like a value like from like all like yeah you're right like the alt value or whatever no one's going to be being like oh that's what we should be basing this price of this interact this transaction on is the alt value like i've never really seen that i've seen a lot of people getting roasted on that on social media and stuff but I'm glad, I don't really go on Alt, so it's interesting to hear they're now providing a range. I heard that they're now increasing their seller
1: um, fees. Did you see that? I saw that as of like 20 minutes ago. Terrible idea.
0: Yeah, what do you think think the impact on that is gonna be? Just like, are you gonna list on Alt less, more on eBay?
1: I migrated off of Alt because they now have 1% withdrawal fees for all of their items that are stored with them, which they didn't used to have. Mm. And that disincentivizes me from using them as a middleman and as a vaulting service. Although I think that is necessary for how they operate as a vault. I know PWCC has 1% as well. But the further, I think their marketplace fees used to be 2%. And that made them as very competitive as to why you should have something listed just you should have something in their vault and the ability to list is something that's very strong i believe pwcc's buyer premium for fixed price listings is at about 20 percent, compared to alts at now five percent it's still a huge disparity but and also keep in mind Alt literally takes your item and will cross-list it on ebay which I think is a little bit silly, but they'll cross-list it based on what the eBay value should be to, for you the net that certain amount on alt, which, in fact, I've never had this situation personally, but where you're sometimes competing with your own listing. Or I know I had a Kyler Murray um, Prism green scope card, PSA 10. I ended up moving it, but I know there's one listed at alt for 1225 and there's one listed at eBay for about 1450 I think. And that was just alt's own username, but going back to the center point, this hurts. I think five percent alt is now the equivalent. No, my slabs. Yeah, my slabs is three point five percent PayPal plus one percent transaction fee for slabs, and it just really is saying that you can't really use them as if it's just like selling on your social media which I think hurts them. I know Alt has a lot of investment in angel money and that they are likely doing this based off numbers and how well they've been growing. But as a higher-end consumer, but not, you know, I'd like to say I'm in this status where I'm transacting with a dollars to $1,000 cards for the most part, sometimes very on the lower end, sometimes a little bit higher than that. This isn't appetizing for me as a seller. If you're selling cards that are ten dollars to $100,000, then yes, the listing market and transaction face fees suck. But Alt is becoming one of the premier vaults after being a nobody until Chicago 2021 National. They've really launched into being direct competition with PWCC and with even Golden Va- Golden's and Collector's Vault. They are one of the top vaulting services out there for people to use. It makes sense for them to raise their fees and likely will not have a hit for people doing the ten thousand to ten thousand dollars to one hundred thousand dollars cards, that people are keeping in vaults anyway. But for me, in that hundred to a thousand dollars range, I'm especially not going to vault with them now, and my interest in them has dwindled ever since they've implemented implemented the one percent withdrawal fee.
0: Yeah, I I always love hearing your opinion because you actually use these and have used them, and I'm just more of an observer of this sort of stuff. But cards, cards, cards. But no, no. But with the it's interesting with the vaulting services, Arena Club entering the this realm, eBay entering, um, is this kind of race to the bottom on fees for sellers initially. Like what Alt did, they did this huge promote, promo thing at the National that you like to talk about, which is cool.
1: Which is fascinating. Even from a marketing standpoint, that is fascinating.
0: Can you, can you tell people, like maybe some people don't know about this, can you tell them what the promo was?
1: Yeah, it was euphoria. It was... Quite literally free money. I tried explaining this to my friends that during this time of this promotion that weren't in the cards, they're like, oh, it's a scam that you're being. I'm like, no, it's through Stripe or it's it's through Wire. Is that one of the main banking services that you, whatever, whatever. So during the National, during July 2021 in Chicago, Alt Referral Program was that, it could have been a little bit earlier before the National, but I remember this was when it was gaining traction because they had booths at the National. That if you signed up at alt. Now known as alt xyz, it used to be only alt.com, you would get a $50. If you were referred by someone, you and your referee would get a $50 credit on their account, of which you can immediately withdraw. That was just $50 cash. And for every person that you referred, you would get $50 added to your account. And the marketplace is very small. This is before they did the liquid auctions bi weekly on Thursdays. And I was able to buy. I think I had like seven or eight referrals. I got a Beat Beckett nine five Labor Torres first Roman rookie card or first Roman autograph from it, and I was over the moon. And I was very happy from that.
0: Do you have any stories um, of? Do you know anyone who made like a ton of money off that at all?
1: Like I, I know, know I know, I know a few people that did, but I thought I got a four hundred dollar card, three hundred dollar card for. Nothing for word of mouth, and at the very least, at the very most, it made people use them as a vaulting service. I know I wouldn't have kept things vaulted at their facilities if it weren't for not knowing them. If I knew, you know, I knew them in the first place, they were the I think one of the biggest things is advertising is that people go with Geico or Allstate if just based on their name, name recognition, that's why they're so identifiable as companies. Alt was more relevant to me than PWCC was at the time, so my inclination was to vault with Alt. Instead, Also with Alt being based in Delaware and me being on the East Coast, that also made it more attractive to me. But people did this, I think it was like two weeks or so, where it was $50 referral for every person that you referred. And then it went down to $10 referral. And then I think like several months later, I think the current referral program is that if you refer someone it's $25 credit but you have to use that credit on their platform which is still pretty nice but it's now most people already have alt accounts and the emphasis that I want to drive home is that you didn't have to buy a card on alt; you just had to make an account and connect your bank account likely to prevent people from signing up more of their own accounts yeah but that that, that is
0: a incredible marketing campaign and um, and it worked. really really interesting in a, in an industry that relies a lot on trust between companies and the consumers that they are whatever members that they support. So hearing all like this is a really good strategy by Alt to build the trust between itself and collectors and dealers by saying, Hey, we'll give you this money. This is real ass money you can withdraw, right? The fuck now if you want to, but you're going to in the heads of dealers and collectors, that's, Oh, this, this company followed through on their promise. I got something out of this. I'm now somewhat loyal to them even if I only am subconsciously understanding of that, like you just said, like you had the name recognition you started vaulting with Alt because you knew this program. You didn't really know much about PWCC when you were making your decisions. You were like, all right, I'm going to go with Alt. And as competition increases, we'll see how name, name recognition, how these companies try to differentiate themselves. I know Arena Club, the new Derek Jeter company has been just sending influencers, autographed Derek Jeter stuff, saying, hey, we're giving you Derek Jeter signed stuff. Trust us. You should, you should use our service. You should grade with us, which is a whole nother thing. And I am skeptical as hell, but interested to see how it plays out. Um, Max, have you looked into Arena Club at all?
1: I'm going to tread carefully just because I have friends or friends of friends that I guess are, you know, and one of the hobby shops that I go to often is very strongly partnered with Arena Club. We are Club. always
0: treading carefully, Max, out here. We are always treading uh, carefully.
1: This is this is a real human being moment. This is a beware astroturf. I tweeted out a roll of astroturf. People had no idea what I was talking about. I'm not crazy. I'm not the Alex Jones of cardboard, maybe. But be, no, 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 no fake news out here. No fake news, but be critical. If a company is saying that they are, not only are they backed by big angel funds and investment money. But if they're saying that they're here to be for the community, and the first thing is we're doing contests and giveaways to immerse ourselves in the community instead of actually talking to people, or if the top people that they talk to are just big brands with or big individuals with followings to begin with, tread carefully. I mean, I think the biggest, something that you even see on Twitter, granted different, I know we don't have many Listeners of the podcast that predominantly use Instagram over Twitter, as me and Tommy are both massive Twitter heads, I love the Bird app, and we I will are, say that I will say that a second time. I love the Bird app.
0: We love Twitter. We everyone knows that. What's your point?
1: My point is that any hobby shop, and some hobby shops do, any big brand, any company can join in the conversation, be transparent about their views and values. And even getting into the conversations that you aren't even a part of, but just giving your viewpoint. That's how everyone starts. No one wants to listen to conversation that you said you wanted. people want to listen to their own conversation. But the point of, but even as an example, some people think Ryan Gray of Leafs is a psycho, but you can pretty damn well say that he does not shy away from controversy and he will talk about Leafs flaws and will respect and acknowledge when Leaf gets criticism. Ryan Gray is a very polarizing figure in that. Oh, I'm a, big, the I'm a
0: big fan of him. I think he is great. He's so transparent, dude. He just speaks
1: yeah, straight he's, off the he's cuff. Very, he's very polarizing. You can love him or hate him. I don't really have much finagling with Leaf products. I want to say Onyx. I just bought a... Yeah, you
0: bought an Onyx guy. I bought
1: a Jonathan David who is one of the. Is that a Leaf product,
0: product, by the way? I thought it was its own company.
1: Onyx is its own brand. Onyx is yep. its own company. I'm just giving them praise for being active. Not necessarily just being active on Twitter, but talking with other collectors and recognizing what people like, what people don't like. And that's the opposite of what Arena Club is doing. Like I'm saying, if you're trying to market to me, maybe I'm a tough cookie. Maybe I'm one tough customer. You are. You are but tough. I am not sold. Yeah. I am well, sold enough on onyx sorry tommy I'm, I'm talking a lot this episode. no I dude i am not feeling
0: 100 right now so hearing you talk yeah. about this is just amazing and also but, i love when you do really long monologues and then i can just sum yeah, up. yeah one you of you the coolest the things that onyx
1: does is i i don't want to just call them shit boxes but they're like 40 dollar boxes and they have like two autographs in them and they've had some really good player licensed stuff and they're fun to open. Granted, their player autographs. are not worth the moon for getting... But they're usually one of the first... They beat Bowman in terms of getting autographing. We've, like, talked, know, we've talked
0: about Elite Extra Edition a few times on the pod, but shout out Onyx for also getting ahead of the no, game. No, uh,
1: Extra Edition Spanini. No, I know, but we... I mean, okay, I yeah, mean I like, thought, they... I thought, thought like said, about I thought said not, Elite Extra Edition. Yeah. We, yeah, no, no, no. But... Um, I know Christian Hernandez and Carlos Comanares were in 2020, I think, where they were in 2020 products, or at the very least early 2021, like soon after they were signed. And then Onyx getting Jonathan David, which for his first licensed autograph ever, I think is cool. Look, I'm a dirty, slimy flipper, so I'm just looking at it for profit or whatever. Maybe, but cards are fun. I respect Jonathan David and his game, but the huge press about Mbappe and tops PSG sets, was that this is Mapape's first, autographed license card ever? And Onyx Landing, Jonathan. They that they're they're good at what they do. Like I res- I respect it. They have. I know even I was sawing a. I saw a Ronald Acuna Jr. auto. I believe it was from Alex Kent at Alex K two four five, and he pulled a, a Ronald Acuna Jr. auto with an inscription on it. I think it was El Sabanero because he's, you know, Sabanero sauce is like one of his nicknames. I think it was out of five. And I'm like, that's the inscriptions is a good way for cards to stay unique and something that you as a brand or you can offer in your cards rather than just at the expense of not being able to compete with not having licenses for MLB teams. And I'm sure the inscriptions probably cost a little bit more as they do in assigned baseball, cost more for an inscription than without one. But creative ways of doing this is how you thrive. And Shout I was Tyson I, Beck. Tyson Beck changes the game a little bit. I'm a little bit hot and cold because of Project 2020. I bought some of his cards. They're cool. Tyson Beck has Tyson Beck excuse me has a very strong collecting base of people that love his stuff. I think for people that love the art, that's perfect for them. I have an Ermsey Michael Jordan print right beside me. That's I safe. love I love Ermsey stuff. That's just more of my cup of tea, but the point, And Tyson Beck is also relatively act. I mean, he's a big name artist wise for sports art, a big name. He's relatively active with collectors. He listens to collectors. He listens to his Discord. Oh yeah,
0: he no no. I posted a story from the Let X card show on the Let X card show Instagram this weekend of a Tyson Beck tagged him. He replied within minutes saying, "Oh shit, that's dope." I was like, "What the fuck?" He replied so fast, dude. That's not
1: yeah. He's from Australia. Tyson Beck is fucking cool, but. I think the, like if you are a affiliated with cardboard as a business, then I guess my my two cents coming from my heart is that the more you interact with people and the more transparent you are, that builds trust in a user place. Leaf is again, we were just talking about Onyx and Jonathan David. I know Leaf with their emergent soccer auto series, which is a totally random brand, but they are getting Endrick, Oh, I think was a 15, I think he's 15 for Brazil's national team. Shout out Infinite Cards, who took me to school on that card and why it's cool. But these brands that are going out of their way, giving people what they want, being transparent and interacting with them, that's how you set yourself apart and that's how you make people buy, engage, and invest and immerse themselves in what you are either monetarily or otherwise selling them and this started that with the rudak arena club i haven't seen that with them yet
0: you dropped a lot of stuff i'm gonna let that kind of sit because i have more stuff to say just as someone who does do marketing in the card world but i think i'm gonna save it for a couple weeks because we got we got a couple big announcements coming at ledex and i kind of want to talk behind like the reasoning behind it but i'll talk about that in the future
1: okay but, so, should i talk okay
0: no, no, no. I have many things. You just, no, I, was gonna I have to so many thoughts about what you just said. One, we got Onyx makes cool cards. I'm pro Onyx. I think they're making dope stuff. I think they're filling a lane that is definitely there to be filled if they want. I think individual artists making their own cards in partnerships with players is something I do think we will see more of, especially as this whole players can now make money off their likeness at a much earlier age than they used to in the United States. So seeing, you know, other artists maybe doing stuff like that. We've seen it with tops, tops just announced a Bobby Witt junior set that they're putting out sit in a similar vein to how they did with Trevor Lawrence and his brother. I'm very interested to see just the continuation of the art companion with the the athletes and the cards and seeing where that relationship goes. I think that's a great thing for the hobby to have that. And I think it opens up, baseball cards sports cards the whole realm the greater audience so i'm always pro that but and i have one more thing leaf great shit doing good stuff i love having competition's good for cards but max how much money do you think the highest selling leaf 2018 Lamelo ball card went for has gone for that's last?
1: really because i know they were signing him when he was in high school yes yeah, so 2018 Lamelo. Ball. they were getting his autographs when uh Lonzo, in 2018. When Lonzo was drafted, give or yeah. take. Right? Yeah. Right. Yeah. Um, I know I saw a Leaf autograph auction the other night. Um, I think that was doing like a, two. I'm gonna say, did one of those autographs sell for like four thousand?
0: The highest selling card of Lamella Ball, according to 130 Point from 2018, Leaf is five thousand dollars.
1: That's pretty damn impressive.
0: That is pretty impressive. The auto is the autos seem to sell between like three to five hundred in general, but something that I've been interested in lately just as a random aside is like the development of players autographs over time I have a Jonathan Kaminga auto from wild card, which is another company that's like kind of restarting in the vein of leaf um and he signed all his cards for wild card with his full signature with like his full last name and has signed everything with panini with just his initials jk and I'm like I'm not a big autograph guy. I don't really collect them too often, but I'd much rather have the full name autograph than the initial Panini. And he signed initials on like National Treasure shit. And this other company has gotten his full name. So with Lamella Ball, if his autograph evolves over time and these leaf from high school autographs, I'm interested to see how those end up going for more or less in the future Um, autograph game and how the variations of people's autographs with inscriptions and that sort of stuff that impacts value is always something that i'm kind of ignorant on so that's definitely something i would want to know more about in the future i don't know max if you have any examples of stuff like that but um, i'm
1: trying to think some that come to mind but i don't i haven't i know uh, the obvious one is otani's kanji um autograph where it's written in japanese i know he has that in top's finest and a few of his very very early autographs um i more so carry the weight of an autographer Relative to how much they sign, I don't really care that much over Mike Trout autographs anymore. Which sounds crazy to say, but he has a tops exclusive autograph contract and he signs a ton. Juan Soto is another name that I don't know if he's Topps exclusive, but he signs a lot relative to the other superstars. I know Mookie Betts has obviously has very few prospect autographs, given that he's Never a signs. bloomer and has very few rookie cards and then even post rookie cards it's nothing so that's why i'm like clenching onto my stadium club mookie betts rookie card autograph and so like i think i have that at like 500 firm 550 ebay and it's like i you'll be hard pressed to find me going a dollar cheaper than that even regardless of whatever the comps are because mookie on car pack boat autographs just do not exist he has Three on card rookie autographs to my knowledge, which are for tops, which is five star, stadium club, and heritage. Boom, I got all three.
0: I think we've talked about the Mookie auto situation before. Yeah,
1: but my and then Fernando Tassis Jr. has rookie card autographs. He's not signing every tops now release. No. And I do keep in mind the weight of a player's autograph frequency in terms of how I value something. So I don't really think about the full name. I do think about how much they sign in general. Yeah, for sure. Which is something that you only get experience with by being stupidly fascinated and enveloped with cards.
0: Yeah, and that's something, if you're coming into the industry from the outside and we're like, why is this dude's autograph worth more than this guy? That makes no sense. And you're like, it's frequency, supply and demand situation. But there's one more topic we got to talk about. We don't talk about it. We don't do sports analysis, but we do respond to sports news and happenings. And Albert pools at 700 home runs Judge is on his way to hopefully breaking. If we don't, we're not jinxing the fuck out of that. But, um, those guys in ba- the baseball card world are absolutely as liquid as they come. And I want to hear your stories about liquidity with those guys. Max, I know you've been, you flipped a few judge cards in your de- in the last few months, uh, You have anything you want to talk about for at least the show and stuff? Like were people looking for those guys? Were they
1: people want to judge. Uh there was one dealer who came up to me and he wanted my five my judge. My my favorite thing, my favorite interaction from the show is that I have the Aaron Judge tops now blue autograph out of 49. And it was that moment was of commemorating him winning rookie of the year. And I was like, okay, well, a different judge auto. Of hit him hitting two home runs once as rookie of the year for out of 49, just at 580. And it's like, okay, so I valued mine at six. Weeks. He's like, and I'm like, oh, no, I didn't even say my valuation. I was like, okay, so this is a better car. He's like, yeah, maybe. I'm like, no, not maybe. Like, yes, I, I was thinking that I didn't. My uh inclination to be rude and feisty didn't channel itself that time. Thankfully, you know, I'm a little bit of a, of a hot pepper, I'm a fireball,
0: but. You never know what Max is going to respond with if someone's giving him sass. Yes. You never know.
1: I I like to be a Cavalier. But in that regard, I judge stuff is so interesting because it goes up so quick. And at least in my anecdote of being at New York and New Jersey card shows, even people that have priced things out are still could be 33% below comps accidentally just because of how much judge's stuff is rocketing. And think about it like this. The biggest I know I've said this before I've said this in general on Twitter before I don't know if I said this on the pod. And it's a strategy taken from watch the break at Watch the Breaks. But the four biggest best use of your characters on an eBay listing is C-A-R-D card. When people are hearing in the news, Aaron Judge's home run race against Maris and they want to type in Aaron judge rookie card, They're not type. I will type in Aaron judge two eight seven. Cause I know that will directly get me a 2017 tops paper rookie card, but they aren't typing in two eight seven. They're typing in Aaron judge rookie card, or even sometimes Aaron judge card or judge card card is the lowest common denominator and it removes specificity, but you for SEO and for promoted listings, it's golden and helps you out a ton.
0: You but, did not just drop golden it is a yeah. sentence talking about eBay listings. But golden I agree with, with you. Put e. card in it. Put card in your listing for a guy like Judge who's in the news a lot. Or, because, I, yeah,
1: I, I put it in with everyone. Tommy, I try to teach you my eBaying. I hope it doesn't go on deaf ears.
0: I did. But, I did list some cards on eBay. Not to transition this topic too quickly. But I shout out, yeah, hot, Judge. Hot, hot. Hot. judge anecdote from the ledex hq jake ledex your homie who just bought that card off did you did he get it in hand yet i think he got delivered today i'll check with him tomorrow but okay. um he bought like a out of 150 blue refractor tops chrome i think 2019 to aaron judge at the national for like 10 15 bucks <laughs> the other day i walk in the office and i go dude list any aaron judge card you have on ebay right now he has never he had never listed a card on ebay ever he listed the judge blue refractor for like 100 obo someone binned it within 24 hours so quick 10x from my boy jake shout out jake but um i have no idea what the fuck i was going with this to be honest but oh i've been listing cards on ebay still owe max money for the posies that i so publicly announced that i already obtained but i still owe him some money for so i've been listing some cards on ebay Um, decided fuck it I'm tired of selling stuff on Twitter I kind of did a big sale I kind of did I feel like I reached my my cap on how many people were going to buy cards for me so started listing some just like random slabs that I have around like a basically just all slabs and then like a black refractor I got from Nick's uh, dollar bins but I will need Max to go through and enhance these listings for me I'm not going to promote and pay them but We'll talk afterwards, Max. Uh, we're gonna Thank get you. into
1: a cardboard episode all about eBay at some point. Yeah, yeah. that'll happen. That'll it's gonna happen. be it's gonna be another max nerd out session.
0: But this has been a great episode, uh, so I'm gonna cut us off and you have to tell uh, me what your so you, me- you
1: have to tell me what your eBay thoughts are. Your uh, eBay buys I have, are. i so oh good, because is I've been buying so many cards lately. I know I am partly in pure raw to grade mode. I'm also partly just in like degen buying. I bought a Red Sapphire 2018 Ronald Acuna, red out of five 2019 Rookie Cup PSA nine. It's stunning. It's out of its PSA nine prism. It's going to be subbed.
0: That card goes so hard.
1: Card goes so hard. I required a Ronald Acuna update black US twenty five 2018. That card is sick. Um, why are you I,
0: buying it? Why are you buying Acuna so much right now? Or just deals?
1: Um, I buy rare, cool stuff,
0: but it's not enough to just buy serial numbered stuff
1: anymore. Yes, if you saw that tweet, that tweet was satire, and not many people know why. I hope some people do know. But- I hope some people do know too. So you been buying. You bought some. I've been buying raw to grade for the most part. A lot. I am stacking what my raw to grade pile is. I'm now actually looking at prism. I now feel it's like a safe-ish entry, entry point okay. to, to buy. Some Charizard. So, love to see your card savers. Yes. Card savers, ready to sub. I am having a lot of fun with cards. I can talk about cards all day. I don't want to talk about cards that I've won at auction, but I'm invoiced for. And Yeah, I, we'll, we'll wait until they I feel have like, some more. I, like, I feel like it's bad juju until they're like officially in hand and being shipped to delivered. But like, Cool Zion Williamson, cool Austin Riley Sapphire Auto. That,
0: this is a the Soto, love, gold, oh, the Soto Gold, the Gold, gold
1: image variation. That's a cool one. This was a PSA that, nine. Right? This was an Evan Mobley Ross Raw Com C buy. And what is this one? This is the African. The, that's a Yeah. yeah. Oh, uh, those, cool those cards. They're all sick. I can talk about my cards forever. And but let, let, me, talk. let me, me talk. Let me talk about yeah. my cards. I want oh, to talk about God. my. Oh my god, yes. I was talking to the listener. Yes, Tommy, you can talk about your cards too. So Max bought a bunch of really
0: expensive cards. I bought a bunch of cheap cards. No, I bought I a, bought cool a 2008 Tops Bruce Bochi Manager card, Black Parallel, out of 57.
1: Manager card?
0: Manager was included in 2008 Base Tops. And I've been kind of messing around with the idea of getting some cool Buster, or Bruce Bochi cards. And when I realized that he was in the set and someone had a $10 one-up on eBay, it was an instant Instant bin for me because Hall of Fame Manager, Black Parallel Team Color Match, easy money. Uh One of my favorite sets. And then here's a fun anecdotal fact for you that I want someone to fact check me on if they want to <laughs> want to. But um, I'm pretty sure that Press Pass is the only company that's ever made game worn college relics. Or at like least fact check. I know you're not going to. I do, but I've searched high and low for like college game used cards and most of them are like event worn at photo shoots or whatever i know that like national treasures collegiate is all event used stuff at least modern um but i found some late 90s early 2000s northwestern game used press pass stuff and i was like i've been like four of them because because uh, <laughs> i was being a degenerate for like two dollar cards and that's just a fun anecdote that i learned this week about cards that
1: You are always learning.
0: Loki made the best collegiate stuff. And I think that that is also something that I would want. We talked kind of about like competition in the card market in general from like producers of cards. Like I would love one company to kind of own the college world of cards and make some really nice sets that aren't just Bowman U non-licensed or like half licensed sets that kind of come out throughout the year. So shout out college shout out all the changes that are going on in the card production world we hope we are going to continue to give our thoughts on it as it develops max any last thoughts i know you have a ton you want to keep talking about but i'm cutting you off you got one more monologue in you
1: and if you don't put the cherry tree into the blossom it won't blossom the cherry tree
0: leaving me speechless every week max that was amazing so as always, you can find us on social media during the week constantly. I uh, can't imagine me and Max are off social media for more than like an hour at a time. So follow us at TV Sports Cards on in- Twitter at TV.SportsCards on Instagram. Max is at CardsMax on Instagram and Twitter. Our podcast, Young Old Heads, which is getting more active on social media as a conglomerate, is at Young underscore Old heads on Twitter and at Young Oldheads podcast on Instagram we are and actually we're also on tiktok at young old ted's podcast i'm not sure what the ad is but you can find us if you search it posting more video content some short clips we're posting some just like fun stuff about cards that we like and promoting our own stuff but thanks to everyone listening 21 episodes in 20 episodes, 21 episodes strong half a year half a year if your year is minus in two and a half months <laughs> but this is a fun episode and you can expect more stuff like this going forward you know me and max i think have found a groove and how we kind of set up the episodes how we keep the conversation going i think people like it i think we're good at this i think we're gonna keep it going i don't beware know astroturf beware astroturf go touch grass and that's it peace out